and welcome to the Driver High podcast. My name's Tony from Driver High Croydon and Sutton. Hello, I'm Gary from Driver Hire in Colchester. And we decided to get together to create a series of regular podcasts for people who want to know more about Driver Hire, but principally to provide hints, tips and tricks to help our drivers be the very best that they can be. Hi Gary, how are you doing? Very well Tony. Um, it's lovely to be with you side by side again. Uh, yes, the um, the better way of recording a podcast. Less less editing, less um, less computer glitches, less um, internet worries. Yeah. And I didn't just drive up to do the podcast, that'd be silly. We came up and we've done the video. Yeah, so we had great fun yesterday recording a video about different types of pedestrian crossings, which was quite, quite good fun, uh, watching Gary trying to jump up to press an equestrian button uh, which you couldn't quite reach it's just good fun yeah <laughs> and um and uh, dressing you up as a blind man with a blindfold trying to use a pedestrian crossing and that was totally different and um i didn't practice or anything else it was really disconcerting and i understand how partially impaired people do struggle at times mm, yeah exactly uh, so what's the plan for this week then gary well the government have announced they've got to do some reviews on the driver cpc yeah, exactly. So um, we thought it would be interesting to talk to um, some of our drivers, some of our customers, about what they think about CPC and what they what their view of the um, proposed changes. Now, when I say proposed changes, these are uh, elements of CPC that are up for review. Um, and so really what we're going to do is just talk through the scope of the review and what we think about it. Um, but I guess before we get into that... Maybe we should give an overview of what the current position on CPC is. Yeah, because we're not talking about modules two and four here, are we, Tony? We're talking about the five-year... The periodic training is that's, the... That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> it wouldn't pass my lips. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this, this is the ongoing continuous training for uh, drivers of commercial vehicles, both PCV um, and LGV or HGV as we tend to call it and this is the law that came in as part of um, well it was the EU compulsory training directive and it became law as the certificate of professional competence in the UK from September 2008 for bus drivers uh, and September 2009 for lorry drivers um, and what uh, what the law says is that those drivers must take five modules of seven hours each of training in a five-year window following either the date the legislation came in uh, or five years from when they passed their test. Yeah, so you could do one a year, which I think it was originally the idea behind it, but we're finding out most people have been doing five CPC courses right near when their CPC card is about to expire. Yeah, I mean, this is something we've talked about before and, and is one of the um, one of the elements of the review, actually, to see if that, that can be looked at because, um, you know, it, it is... I don't know. I, I would find it frustrating to, to wait the entire five years to then do five days' training right at the end of those five years. Um, and then the 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 syllabus, the, the, the elements of training that people can take are from the full CPC syllabus. And the way this works is that a training provider will write a course um, and they will map to that course 
um, where from the syllabus they're taking that information, send that through to JAUPT, who's the Joint Approvals Unit for Periodic Training, um, J-A-U-P-T, JAUPT, um, and uh, they will approve or not that course, and obviously the drivers will attend approved courses. Um, and the, the thing about it at the moment is that any driver or whoever's paying for that driver's training can pick really any module. Yeah, I mean, in the past, you could have sat and done driver's hours on five different occasions mm -hmm. in five da five days at a time. Yeah, well, it must be dreadfully boring. <laughs> well, in fact, we've heard we've heard stories of people doing exactly that, which um, I can't imagine how mind-numbing that must be. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so um, so what's happening? So the the government, um, as part of their review of changes to HGV. Uh, testing and licensing and training to try and help create more HGV drivers in the system. Uh, one of those things is, is to review CPC. And of course, because we're now post-Brexit, the government have got some freedom to do that in a way they may have not done before. And and so really, let's just talk through the things that are up for review. Yeah. So we're talking about the periodic training, which I couldn't get off my lips earlier, Tony, um, where you sit down and do your seven hours here and not the two and four parts. And I think this is to get people who have left the industry back in and their CPC cards have expired. Mm. Because if you were coming back, if you took myself up, I hadn't done the CPC, I would have to spend a week doing that before I can go HGV driving. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's either people returning to uh, driving who have an HGV license but not a CPC so therefore how, how do they come through or indeed how people who are in the in the industry stay in the industry so it, it, it's that part of it periodic training so the government review then covers a few areas now the first thing is should there be a difference between somebody who's doing periodic training for the first time and somebody who's perhaps on their well, what are we now, third cycle third. round of CPC? You know, should those training elements be different? Um, and the phrase they've used is, um, should should the requirements apply differently to more seasoned drivers? I think that's a polite word for older drivers. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so that's the first thing. Um, the second thing, which um, is interesting, if you bear in mind what Gary said in the intro, um, is they're looking at whether that five-year window is the right time frame. So, you know, should you do five days of periodic training in five years, or should that be changed to even it out? So, for example, could you do make it compulsory to have one day of training every one year or two days every two years or something like that? So that's the second part. The third part is should there be um, specific topics. So rather than this, you know, cherry pick anything you want to do, should there be specific topics? And that's interesting because, um, yes, of course, you can make it job specific if you pick out the bits that are relevant to your job. But if you're just trying to rush somebody through quickly, you'll just take what's available, which clearly isn't the best way of doing it. So the next part is currently there's a rigid time frame of seven hours for each module. Uh, although that could be split into two, three and a half hours over two days, for example, you could do like two evenings in a row. Um, but it's it's seven hours for that course. So that's no flexibility in that, you know, should that, could that change? So for example, if you had 20 people on a course 
and the trainer is dealing with 20 sets of questions over seven hours, if the same module is delivered to, say, three drivers, um, it's very unlikely that it's going to last the full seven hours because there's, you know, three sets of questions, not 20 sets of questions to answer. So, you know, could there, should there be flexibility in that? The next thing is, should the scope of driver CPC include non-professional drivers? So, um, I take that to mean people who are perhaps driving a horse box for themselves, you know, people who aren't, you know, driving, uh, you know, commercial vehicle delivering goods. Yeah, where they're currently out of scope mm. for the driver CPC, but they can still be using a vehicle and they can drive, they should be driving in driver's hours mm. to understand that they can't drive for four and a half hours and not stop, which as for all professional drivers we have to do, and they seem to be exempt from that, and that's mm. not fair. Yeah. Um, the next part uh, is, should there be an obligation on employers to support the cost of training? Now, Gary and I have got quite a strong view on that one, so that would be easy for us to cover off. Um, and then the last part of the review is, should the CPC qualification gained in another country, another European country, um, still be recognised in the UK, even post-Brexit? Um, in the same way that a European you know, C plus E driving licence is fully recognised in the UK, should the CPC be recognised in the UK. So those are the, the elements of the review. So just to recap, um, should there be different training for more seasoned drivers? Um, should that five, five days training be spread more evenly um, rather than being able to be bunched up? Um, should there be specific topics that are perhaps compulsory? Should it be seven hours for each module? Um, should it include non-professional drivers? Um, should employers be obliged to support training? And should European CPC be recognised in the UK? That's the scope of the review. So, what do we do with that information? Well, um, we have done and are doing a couple of things with this. So we talk to um, some of our drivers and some of our customers and really just ask them what they thought about those um, those elements and and how it how it should um, should and could move forward um, and you know what they would like to see out of the review and we got some we got some different answers didn't we uh, yeah very much so um, we didn't want just to have our view on it because it might just be through rose tinted glasses and the benefit of us being CPC trainers and so on so we really wanted to get down to the what the drivers and the clients thought about this and it it, it varied quite a bit between what me and Tony got. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So the the first thing that I would say was consistent amongst all the people I spoke to, which I was surprised about, was that every single person I spoke to supported the idea of their continuing to be CPC. Every single person um, saw the value and of the training and the professionalism for the industry of doing it. I, I thought people were going to say to me, Gary... Oh, scrap the bloody thing. <laughs> uh, I did too. Um, and we're under a lot of pressure at the moment to get CPC courses for my drivers. They're saying, when's the next CPC course, Gary, I can go on? Um, and they, they like the face-to-face -face, um, much more than the Zoom ones, though there's benefits to both. Um, and they want to get together because we learn from each other on these courses. And no one said, oh, I don't want to do it anymore. That, I've had that, but they mm. do like to see a change in some of the things. Mm. Yeah, I think there was a, a definitely a sense that um, the advent of CPC has created a level of professionalism in 
the industry uh, that that perhaps didn't exist before. Um, you know, in the same way, um, and obviously it's not as intense, uh, but in the same way that an airline pilot has to do compulsory hours of training, um, the the public perception of an HGV driver that has to go through compulsory hours of training, you know, starts to sit them in that kind of way of thinking for people. Um, and it's a bit like forklift or high ab training, they have to do a refresher, mm. um, be it three or five years, depending on who you're using and what your insurance company says. And that's very similar type thing. They're doing something professionally, and so they should have reviews, refreshers, and to do things because the law does change. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so um, one of the things that you know, I was interested in um, in talking to drivers was you know how how they felt about the, the the actual the actual physical training that day. So we're talking about a classroom based course in the minute. I know we've done um, you know online courses over the last year or so for obvious reasons, but um, you know talking to them about the actual training courses. And one of the things was about um, comprehension testing. Uh, that came up in quite a few conversations and and at the moment it's an attendance based course so a driver turns up for seven hours attends for seven hours and at the end of that they you know they, they have you know that, that that's that's a tick in the box that's it. they've signed their life away <laughs> yeah. when they arrive they've done the the actual yeah. time they're meant to be there and they yeah. walk out there's nothing to as a trainer that you go back and review they've actually taken on board what you've talked about yeah exactly and and what what uh, some of the drivers I spoke to said was that if they come along to one of these courses and they sit there and they participate and they give their opinion and they ask questions um, and they engage and they learn, you could have somebody that's sitting there next to them that's not particularly interested. And, and the example I was I was given was playing with his phone under the desk. Mm-hmm. Um, in the eyes of the law, at the end of those seven hours, both the driver that was engaged and the one that wasn't interested are seen in the eyes of the law as exactly the same. And that, that can't be the case. So actually, from the drivers themselves, there was um, an interest in the idea of comprehension testing to say, yes, I can demonstrate that I've engaged and I've listened and I've taken part. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean a pass or a fail, um, but you must have an idea of what you've actually been talking about. And I'll use driver's hours as a prime example. Which way is the brake? Is it a 15 and a 30 or is it a 30 and a 15? And, and I thought that was really interesting because I, I was surprised that drivers would say to me that they wanted to be tested. And it, and it wasn't really that they wanted to be tested, but they wanted to be differentiated from those that hadn't really engaged. Yeah, I mean, one of the things chatting to mine and the ones who keep asking to come on it because they've missed a year mm-hmm. um, because of the COVID situation they're very keen to get back in there and they actually enjoy the banter with other people around them and when I've been on a course updating mine and I'm doing one this Saturday I do learn from the other people around me as well as from the instructor mm-hmm. yep and interestingly though um, when I was talking about people not being engaged in the course there was a sympathy for that and and the sympathy was that actually you might have somebody sitting next to you that's not engaged, but they're not engaged. Why? It could be because they've been sent on the same course, um, you know, three times in a row because the you know, employer or the operator is just trying to tick box them through the qualification. And this point about doing the same modules, every single person I spoke to, every single person I spoke to said, 
um, you know, I'm paraphrasing the words, but the sentiment was the same. It's farcical that you can just do the same modules. Yeah. Um, if a client chooses what modules they'd like on the course, and they've, for example, got 10 drivers, and it's open for another 10 drivers to come, and if I was personally coming up to the end of my five years, I need to jump on a Saturday course the next five weeks. That client's dictated what they are. I've got no say as individual, and we've got five courses exactly the same, and that would be... Oh, that is death by PowerPoint. Yeah, and you could see why somebody might be fiddling with their phone under the table in that situation. So so I do have a sympathy for that. So it wasn't necessarily a negative in terms of that disengaged driver. It was a negative against the system and how um, modules could be repeated. Yeah, I mean, I'm not against driver's hours being repeated in different formats, but doing the same day in, day out is a definite no-no for me because mm. it's not going to help anyone. Yeah. Okay, so... so one of the things that I came across was that there were certain things within CPC that uh, most drivers and customers, and indeed trainers, felt every driver should have to do. So that question about should certain modules be compulsory, and the things that came up time and time again in the conversations, um, driver's hours, road traffic law, load safety. Those, those were the things that came up in pretty much every conversation. And so... It does feel that potentially what you could have is um, so those elements being compulsory and then other elements being job specific. Yeah, because you can make that three and a half hour course, you can split it up to include certain parts as well. It doesn't all have to be about load security for three and a half hours. Mm -hmm. You could make it an hour on load security, hours on um, an hour on driver hours and so on, mm -hmm. and that's to make it a little bit more broader, but enough to cover the key subjects that we need to refresh and remind what the new laws are, if there are any changes. Mm. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that came up a lot in those conversations was about training being practical. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, to, to, I'll try, try and phrase um, what the driver said to me. Uh, I think if I quote him correctly, he said, I didn't pass a driving test to sit in a bloody classroom. I think that's, that's the exact, exact sentence. Um, and I get what he means. So, so you know, he didn't choose an academic career. He chose a, a practical vocation and saw no reason why things like load safety couldn't be taught in a practical way. I couldn't agree more. So if I just go back to what I was saying about the forklift, if you're doing a forklift refresher, you most probably do an hour to two hours refreshing on the practical side, the health and safety side. The rest of the time you're sitting on the equipment moving that about. And so you can go back and you're saying, am I doing this properly now? Have I got the seat belt on? And everything, it's not a classroom based for the whole seven hours. But if you could do low safety, not everyone knows how to use a ratchet strap. Mm -hmm. Because if you're a tanker driver, why would I need to know? Yeah, for sure. And there's lots of different things like that. And we chose this industry for a reason, and it is being a bit more practical with your hands and everything else. We aren't academical um, from that point of view. So getting out there and be able to strap and load down is much more fun and interactive, and people with more experience will help the people with less experience, in my opinion, because hmm. people like to show off their skills. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other thing that came up consistently across the drivers and customers I spoke to um, was this idea that... that you know, the, you know, from the review, sh should it be more spread across the five years? And pretty much every single person said, yeah, yeah, it, it's it's daft to try and shoehorn five modules into the end of the five-year window. It, it's 
it's wrong for several reasons. One is that driver's been working for five years before he's been trained, so surely have the training and then do the work yep. would make more sense. Um, but secondly, um, if, you, if you're forced to sit in a classroom for five days in a row or five Saturdays on a row, uh, in a row, you're very likely to switch off. So. Oh, yeah, yes, no doubt about it, because it, I sit in an office like yourself, Tony, majority of the time. If I sat in a classroom for seven hours, it's very hard to keep your concentration level because it's a different environment. Mm. We're not used to it. Yeah. And as a driver, you might be sitting behind the steering wheel, but you don't sit still for seven hours or yeah. three and a half hours in, in the same format and, and concentrating in that way and taking new information on board. Mm. Well, hopefully new information. Yes. Um, but just to balance that, what one customer said to me, that's fine, have it that you do one module per year, but the admin cost of that CPC card um, to basically process it five times every five years rather than once every five years, you're going to make it five times more expensive. So that would need to be thought about how how that could be done in, in a, in a you know, cost-effective mm. way. And it's a good point. Yeah, I get that um, from that point of view. I mean reducing it to one a year or you must do one within 18 months because of sickness or whatever um, gives you a little bit of flexibility and mm. I like the idea of doing it so you keep that theory there and that's my personal view not just my drivers by the way on that one mm. yeah 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 okay so the next part of our research actually is happening on Saturday um, and hasn't happened yet. So um, so Gary is attending a driver CPC course um, on Saturday, two days time. And what we're going to do is resume on Monday with Gary having thrown these questions into the mix in that course. Yep. When I'm doing the introduction, um, I'm going to be asking that, why are we sitting here doing this? Um, so and get their feedback from it and nearly all of them are my own drivers so hopefully I'll get a very honest answer from them and I'll be able to pass that information back to you later. Yeah, uh, if the answers are very, very honest make sure you paraphrase them in podcast-friendly language. <laughs> okay, I will do. <laughs> okay, so what, what we're going to do is we are going to break there and we're going to resume the review of Saturday's course on Monday on Zoom. Yeah. So... Until Monday, Gary, thank you very much indeed, and I look forward to seeing you then. Thank you very much, Tony. It won't be as much fun as sitting beside you, though. <laughs> so, a, a driver hire podcast first, Gary. A bit of um, uh, sending you off for, for some um, uh, on-location research. Yep, that's right, Tony. Um, we started our discussion, and I thought I could have a better input after I actually sat on a CPC course and had feedback from... 10 different drivers and what their views are and that's the important thing is what are the drivers views and that's what we need to get across to the government or jout whoever hopefully is reviewing it and come back and say yes we'd like to do that mm, yeah okay all right so obviously the sound's a little bit different now we're back on zoom um and apologies if it's slightly less good than it was in the room um, which is always nicer but how did you get on then how how was saturday's course i well, it was very good and um, i i was sitting with a different instructor um, though I did take half hour of the time up um, on it, but I, I thought it was very valuable to get this information across of what the government was reviewing and why they were doing it, and more importantly, what they would like to see different. Hmm. Okay. And so so what were the what were kind of main themes then that you, you picked up on? Well, the, the first thing I did ask is, does anyone not think training is valuable? Um, okay. Because... The biggest issue we have is C, or driver's CPC is a waste of time. 
And that definitely didn't come across. And I know we discussed it in our previous part of the podcast, and that was just re- reassured to me of all 10 people sitting there, none of them saw it as a total waste of time. See, I think that's quite an interesting thing because, you know, if, if you wind the clock back to, well, 2009, we started doing this. Um, I was privileged enough to be on Driver High's um, very first ever uh, CPC course um, back then, and it was great. Um, but the the chat from drivers at the time was, I know what I'm doing. I've done all that. I don't need to go into a classroom. Um, I don't want to do training. I didn't, I didn't pass my test to go and sit in a classroom. But yet in the research I did and this course, we're yet to hear somebody say that that training is a waste of time. Yeah, they don't always like the content of what they're being taught or how it is being taught, but the actual doing training, they weren't against whatsoever. Hmm. Uh, I think that's really encouraging. Um, and, you know, if, if if one of the objectives of CPC was to improve professionalism amongst drivers, then that very attitude of wanting to train, wanting to learn, wanting to develop, um, that's fantastic. Oh, very much so. And that means they're engaging. And I know both of us taught CPC course in the, in the past. And the biggest issue is if people don't engage, they're the hardest ones to get anything from. But I've always learnt, I always believe I've got really good knowledge. But every time I sit in a course, I will pick up a little section and go, I didn't really know that. Because we can't know everything or claim to know everything. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah. I mean, you as an individual are always open to learning and, and you know, it's, it's fantastic. It's a, it's a great trade to have. But it's, it's you know, it's good to good to hear that of, of the course that you went on. So what, um, what else did you pick up from them? OK, the biggest criticism or gripe was everyone on that course, even though the course was paid for by the client, is they had to give up their time for it. So a good example would be a forklift driver would be given a day away from the environment to go and do a refresher course, be it for half a day, a full day, either at their premises or the training site. And again, Hyab was used as another good example within our industry where they're away from it, but they're given, they're paid to do the course as well as the time is in normal working time and they're not giving up their valuable free time. Mm. I think this is a really interesting one. And this was obviously one of the questions we asked at the very outset, um, which is part of the government review. You know, should should, should employers be obligated um, to, um, to to fund the training? Um, and that's really interesting because, you know, every single one of my customers, and in fact, we do ourselves, um, you know, subject to, to, to minimum service, um, we, we pay um, for the driver's training. All of our customers pay for their driver's training. But you're right, there is a mix as to whether a driver attends a course as part of their paid salary day or whether they're giving up their own personal time to do it. So, so there's, a, there's, a, there's a bigger part of that question that isn't in the review, which is, is not just who pays for the training, but who pays for the time for the person on the training. And I think that's interesting. Yeah, that was the, the biggest discussion at the beginning. Um, I soon moved on from that because obviously I had a few drivers and I'd have to pay them as well if they're on the course. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I do get where they're coming from and I'm not adverse to that going forward, whatever we need to do to make it right mm, um, from there. Um, the other point is most of them don't enjoy sitting in a classroom for seven hours constantly. Mm. They're not used to it. Um, they do find it difficult. 
especially in the winter. It was a bit chilly, the heating's on. In the afternoon, you got had a bite to eat and you're feeling a bit lethargic and everything else. And, and that's the bit that they don't like. They prefer a bit more hands-on and doing things. And mm. one that I was going to mention um, was strapping. Could they physically strap a load down, go around a vehicle if possible? If not, could we use straps in the classroom? No, it's still not the same. Could we physically do something on a vehicle? Mm. Yeah, I think that came through from the research we you know, talked about earlier and, and that which we did previously. I think there's a there's a very much a desire for you know driving as a practical job. The training can be practical. There's no reason why not. Um, and yeah, in fact, that can be done within the the syllabus of CPC as it stands. I guess from a training perspective, it's more expensive to deliver um, because obviously you need a vehicle and you need yeah. premises, and you can't have twenty people all doing up the same strap at the same time. Yeah, you know, if straps the example. So the question there is the balance of of cost and relevance. And but yeah, I think I think to me that makes perfect sense, and I think there's definitely a feeling amongst all the research we've done and clearly your drivers about the the practical nature of training so what else did you learn from your class um sometimes relevance um or repeating courses i know we shouldn't be repeating courses and everything else so if we go back a stage on this is when you'd get to the end of your five years and you do your five courses in the block it's really hard work for them death by powerpoint was the word used mm. can't say i disagree after sitting on five days in a cpc it would be come across as that yeah where i think if we go back a stage if we'd done a course once a year and i know we mentioned this earlier that is definitely what they would much prefer than mm. leaving it yeah no i mean this point about repeating modules i, I i've yet to hear anybody say that that's a good idea um, and it sounds from what you're saying that the drivers didn't think that was a good idea either. No, no. I had one guy on that course. His last CPC consists of five days of first aid. Oh, my God. Poor bloke. Yeah. So, so this this problem of repeating modules, who, whose fault is that? Well, it's not the fault of the driver. If they're being sent in to do a course, obviously they'll attend the course they're sent in to do. Um, so part of the problem is customers that haven't planned their training and therefore just trying to you know use this phrase again tick box um just to get somebody through well that's not really thinking about you know proper good valuable and interesting learning um so i think you know operators who plan their training and spread it out over time would be in a far better position than just trying to cram someone at the last minute but it is also perhaps the fault of the system that the system allows it so you know if there were some compulsory modules so you know if you had to do for example within the five years um a driver's hours course and if you had to do a safe loading course you couldn't just do five driver's hours courses then for example um so i don't think there's there'd be much pushback from anybody in the industry if it was changed to say you have to do um you know one or two or three core modules and then one or two or three you know, job specific modules, I don't think there'd be any pushback on that at all. No, definitely not. From what we've been hearing, what you've had the feedback and what I've had the feedback is definitely where, what we should be looking at and improving for everyone, including ourselves. Because mm. I, I still go on the courses and you still teach them, Tony. It's got mm. to help everyone across the board. 
Mm, absolutely. And and also from a from a trainer's point of view, if you've got people that are engaged because it is relevant and it is interesting, that actually makes for a better and more interesting course to deliver, which is better for everybody in the room and more fun for the trainer. Yeah, far more fun. Um, and it is because I learn most of my knowledge from other people on the course. So really, then, what we what we've learned in sort of reviewing the um the the basis of the government review is that in the main drivers and our customers and us we're all pretty much pro training we think it's the right thing to do and it is right to review it because there are a few little tweaks that could be done which could make it better for everybody yeah 100 percent agree um my personal opinion one a year and i understand why haulers don't like doing it um they leave it to the last minute because drivers tend to change jobs. But if you invest in a driver once a year, even if they move on to another job, you've got to replace that driver with another one. If someone else has already invested in, in him as well, it's you've got the whole circle complete. <laughs> well, it, it boils down to that old adage, which is um, what happens if you train a driver and he leaves? Um, to which my answer is always, what happens if you don't train a driver and he stays? <laughs> <laughs> you take my point <laughs> yeah 100% because it couldn't be anything worse than leaving it to the last two mm. months before and you've got to lose them for five working days oh that must be a nightmare yeah. it, I mean I know how busy we get um, at the end of the um, five year period covering that many shifts of people doing CPC so I think that would stop that happening if we'd done one a year or one eight, within 18 months mm. yeah yeah okay all right well I think this has been really interesting actually and I hope um, I hope people listening have found that interesting too. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts and comments. So you know, please write back to us via the podcast website or on uh, on Facebook um, or whichever way you're you're receiving this, LinkedIn or or whatever. Um, so um, so yeah, I think that's great, Gary. Thank you very much indeed, and uh, I look forward to speaking to you next time. That, that was very positive, and all the feedback from the drivers, and I really enjoyed being on location for a change, Tony. Yeah, another another podcast first. Brilliant. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Gary. Thank you. Speak to you later. You've been listening to the Driver Hire podcast, and thank you very much. And as goodbye from myself, Gary Richards at the Colchester office. And from me, Tony Kosher at the Croydon and Sutton office. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us at thedriverhirepodcast.co.uk. Thank you very much for your time. Bye-bye.